0: of short box summary i'm your host george and today we got an incredibly special guest we got carlos we got carlos in the studio welcome to studio h carlos i met carlos uh through random twitter spaces and i was immediately impressed because carlos has forgotten more about spider-man than i think more like most people would ever bother to know carlos welcome to the show
1: hello thank you for having me uh uh nice
0: to be here yes <laughs> Sorry I didn't ask you to read a better Spider-Man story.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I I, I like I like I can always find like the good in, in any story, you know, and, and it was nice revisiting it because it had been a while. Um and I actually was just recently talking to another friend of mine about the other, so I felt like it was like in the cards anyway. So I, was, okay. I, I, was, I was due for a re-up.
0: All right. Well, uh let's let's talk about that story in a bit. I want people to know more about you. So Carlos, what was your comic journey? Do you remember the first comic you ever bought? What got you into the the medium and uh why is Spider-Man your favorite character?
1: Well Yeah, Spider-Man is definitely like my gateway drug into comic books. Um, People always ask me my first comic, and it's always really hard for me because I feel like my first comic is a bit of a blur, but I know like my first few comics, like um, I can think back on when I was a kid and I was and I was starting to read. There was a lot that I had available to me, uh, because when I dug in, I dug in like crazy. I, I, I got everything I could get, and I think um one of like the most important things that I started with was a Marvel encyclopedia about Spider Man mm, that I picked. Yeah. Out. Yeah. I picked it up at a target with my mom and it had like, uh, Mark Bagley, like ultimate Spider-Man, like on the cover and the interiors had some like John Romita Jr. Art. And it had all these like stats about like the character intelligence and everything. And, mm-hmm. and so I saw that and I was like, I have to get this. And that was a big part of my childhood for sure. Um, that and you know, I I was also reading you know Ultimate Spider Man, and I also I have these hung up on my wall right now, uh, mm-hmm. where um uh around like two thousand six I think there was like these reprints of the Ditko run in like the newspapers. Oh yeah, 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 and and so one of my mom's friends got me those as a gift because they knew I liked Spider Man. And so somehow this kid in like 2006, 2008, me uh, started reading Spider-Man with Ditko, which is like kind of not that common, I don't think. Uh, but uh, definitely helped me like, it, it also helped me like get accustomed to reading old comics, which you know I think sometimes is like a learning curve for people
0: it can be oh. a struggle for sure yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm guilty of the struggle too
1: <laughs> but i think one of the most memorable like things for me when i was like getting into spider-man and everything and into the comics anyway was that i was reading the Ditko issues and i read number nine where it's like the first electro story um and uh i think it's number nine anyway it would be terrible if i got it wrong <laughs> <laughs> But um, especially because it's on my wall.
0: <laughs> right. But it's it's far. It's on the far corner of your wall. So it's okay if you can't see it.
1: Yeah. But um, I remember reading that as a kid and being like, oh, my God, Electro killed Spider-Man. Like, he got electrocuted and he passed out. And, like, I was so worried. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Ditko, Ultimate. Uh, there was some Jenkins back in the day that I, that I started with. Those were kind of dark, like... Um, also, slot at the time was the ongoing that I was keeping up with as a kid and into my high school years, all the way into my college years.
0: Sorry, when a- you sorry when you say as a kid, like how old were you going to the comic book store to pick up these issues?
1: I was pretty young um, because when I started reading, like I was just reading collections, like the Encyclopedia and like the Jenkins collections and Didco. Like those were like gifts that were given to me and stuff okay. I picked up. And part of it.
0: Man, that Jenkins stuff is pretty gnarly for a kid.
1: (laughs) But I didn't show it to my mom. I mean, I was like... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when I actually started going to comic book stores, I think I was closer to like 11. Like before that, I had went to like Barnes & Noble and like Target and I picked up collections. And then when I was like 11-ish, I think, I figured out, wait, they have entire stores with just comic book stuff? And like I went to comics and stuff and... I vividly remember seeing, like, this uh, cover to, like, Amazing Spider-Man 688, um, which is No Turning Back, which is an arc I really like now, Um, but as a kid, I saw it, it, and it's, like, this cover where the lizard is, like, biting Spider-Man's, like, neck, and I was like, oh, that's horrific, I need it, (laughs) (laughs) and that was one of my first that was one of the first comics I bought like in a store at a comic book store and I think from then on I kept up with the slot run like as it came out um uh I think I had read big time in spider island before that like in trades um but I think at that point is when I started picking up single issues I still have that comic I, I had I had Dan Slott sign it actually I must have been weird because it's kind of like just a
0: random just story. the most random issue <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: But I was like, no, this this not mean something to me. It traumatized me. <laughs> <I don't
0: know. laughs> no, this issue actually gave me a complex. So yeah, thanks. Uh, please sign yeah. it.
1: <laughs> but actually, like, also, I like, you know, like uh, Dying Wish and Superior Spider-Man, like, and also Death of Ultimate Spider-Man. Like, I was a kid when these came out. And like, it was a tough year because it was like within a year or two where Ultimate Spider-Man died, then 616 Spider-Man died. And just back to back, like, Kid Carlos was like, traumatized just like oh my god peter's dead oh my god peter's dead again <laughs> Taking over his life.
0: <laughs> it was especially much. like spoilers for uh comics that came out 15 years i think after the comics that we're talking about 10 years after the comics we're talking about like what was traumatic about like peter dying in the 616 is like he was replaced by a bad guy and like i know there's like that big like epiphany moment where otto's like oh my god like I, I, this is why you act the way you do because you've been through all this trauma, but you still choose to see the good in the world. Like, I know that moment happened. It was supposed to be powerful or whatever. But, like, it was literally a moment of the bad guy winning, which you never want to see. You never expect to see. So, yeah, I can, I can see that being a traumatic event for a, a younger reader, especially because, like, they stuck with it for, like, three years, right? Two years, three years?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was... I think it was actually closer to just like a year and a half because these comics were coming out like really quick Um, uh, because I do think that Superior Spider-Man went from like 2013 is when it started and it went up until like Amazing Spider-Man 2's release. Mm-hmm. So that was like 2014-ish and okay. then the and then the next volume started. So it wasn't that long, but it was a chunky run. It was like 31 issues um within a year and a half like that's pretty that's pretty that's
0: a, that's a lot yeah I forgot how much they love to double ship Spider-Man books in a month sometimes okay. even triple ship
1: yeah and that, and that was an interesting time because I was reading like in 616 I had Superior Spider-Man and then in the Ultimate books I had Miles Morales so like for a while there there was like no Peter for me and I was like but I still had a good time it was a very memorable time I, I love those comics so mm-hmm. But uh, but I guess that's kind of like my comics journey, and and before that, um, you know, obviously the Raimi movies played a big part in my childhood too, and that's kind of what helped me get into the character. Also, like the '90s show, I also remember watching, um, I also remember watching Spider Man and his amazing friends, like in early in the morning with my mom on TV. Oh wow, yeah, and um, and and another thing, and I'm sorry, I'm saying so much. No, please, I, please. <laughs> Uh, but I also I was like eight years old and I I was already like on the internet and stuff and I found the 60s show like the 67 cartoon where the theme song came from Mm. and and I remember asking my mom like can I have this for my birthday or something and uh, she got me uh, the collection in DVD of like the entire 60s cartoon Um, uh, so that was another thing like I was just flooded with Spider-Man media as a kid. Um and uh I still have that collection. I kinda wanna show it to you. It's it's really pretty like the box.
0: Oh, I have that yeah I have that D V D downstairs. Yeah. Big, big big fan. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. I'm a I'm a huge like I love comic books. I think comic books are is, is like probably my favorite way to explore these characters. But especially when I was in high school, uh, which is I think is when that collection came out, man, I was just happy to have these characters doing anything. So I was I was grabbing anything I could find off the shelf, which was annoying because that collection was just expensive as shit when it first came out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I I I, I don't want to think about how much money I've spent on Spider-Man. <laughs>
0: yeah I, I hear you about. <laughs> all right well thank you for sharing uh your story about getting into comics about getting into spider-man now uh this is only the second spider-man story we've ever covered on Shortbox box Summer. the first one uh was from amazing spider-man it was the story before it was when he joins the new avengers and yeah. battles the hydra cell that's in new york and is cloning the heroes and whatnot and um in throughout that story and i think the story before uh peter was going through some shit where he would just be battling and all of a sudden he would just black out and, and pass out and it was always kind of like oh huh, that's strange that keeps happening and then this story that we're going to talk about the other uh this is where all that comes to a head so just holistically carlos what do you think about the other
1: holistically the other i feel like it's a little dark uh and a little maybe too brutal at times mm-hmm. uh you know, I think when Beyond Amazing, because this past year was like the 60th anniversary of Spider-Man, um, they had this like podcast interview with the current editor and other Spider-Man legends. And, uh, and the current editor said something that I thought was like really good, actually, where he was like, my goal with Spider-Man is to find the balance between like harrowing and fun. Um, and I do feel like this era for me, like leans a little into the harrowing a little more. And I think the sort of like realistic art style with Mike Diodato kind of h- helps push that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think my take is that maybe it's like not 100% to my taste. But, you know, I think a lot of these stories from the JMS era, like, just like all the supernatural lore that he introduced and et cetera, have become like so important over the years and like so many other stories have referenced it and built upon it now. Um, that it's kind of like endearing to look back to see where it all started. Um and I was definitely thinking about like how all these things evolved when when revisiting uh the other for, for this. So mm-hmm. I guess that's my holistic take on it.
0: Gotcha. I always think it's really interesting. I use this comparison a lot where it's like my favorite band is not the Beatles, but all of my favorite bands, their favorite bands are the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're finally far enough removed from the JMS and, and JRJR run, uh, John Ramita Jr. Sorry, listeners. Um, J. Michael Straczynski. Sorry, listeners. I feel like we're far enough removed from that run where it's like, a lot of the people who are writing spider books today, like that was actually the run they kind of cut their teeth on, right? Like that was actually their first run. Like they don't look up to, like, I'm sure they admire Stanley and and Steve Dicko and, you know, John Romita senior and all those people who were, you know, <laughs> doing good work back in the sixties and seventies, but you know, they close their eyes. I think of Spider-Man and John Romita junior drew it, you know? And so I feel like that's why this, the current era under, uh is zeb wells is that the yeah and John? Romero. like it feels very much i don't want to say like a sequel to this era of, of spider-man but like a, spiritually they feel extremely connected obviously like the art has a big part to do with that uh but if you're right man this is a dark <laughs> this is a, a dark time for peter
1: yeah well, but at the same time it's a good time for peter and uh that's something i guess once once we start talking more about the issues i guess like that's something that the first issue kind of touches on too where it's like things are going really well you're on the avengers your aunt knows your secret and is like with you and you're with your wife who's a supermodel and like an actor like <laughs> you're you doing have... pretty you're doing pretty good guy yeah. <laughs> yeah but then like the supernatural like action kicks in and it's kind of scary
0: <laughs> uh yeah 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 especially because it kind of seems uh spoilers uh, the character morlin makes a, a new appearance i don't think we've ever talked about this character on this show um but he was he was a big deal in the JMS, J. Michael Straczynski run, who was like handling the amazing Spider-Man book, which was the flagship Spider-Man book at the time. Uh and, and so we like we kind of thought we we dusted him, kind of thought he was in the rearview mirror. And then in this story he comes back, and it just seems like a terrible confluence of events where everything that can go wrong does go wrong at the exact same time for Peter. Um this, was this Oh, You started reading comics a little bit. This is the first time I ever read like a Spider-Man crossover. I honestly never thought about the idea of a Spider-Man crossover uh, because that honestly seemed like something only the X-Men were allowed to do <laughs> at the time. Um, do you like Spider-Man crossovers? I fucking hate them. I hate them so much, Carlos. I, th- I think it makes it way too complicated.
1: So do you mean like when the titles like cross over into each other? Like, yeah,
0: yeah. When the, Especially because like if it's like a crossover between Miles and Peter, oh, that's fine. Those are two different books. Like that makes sense that it would, it would happen across that. When it's three different Peter Parker focused books, which this is, this story takes place across Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, which was launched for the sake of this story. It takes place in Marvel Knights Spider-Man, which tried to t- sort of cash in on like the edgier, more serious, mature storytelling of the Marvel Knights line. And then did an okay job of that for the first 12 issues because Mark Millar was writing it and that guy is edgy as shit. And then it just kind of lost its steam a little bit after that. Uh, and then the Amazing Spider-Man title, which, like I said, was the flagship title. I don't know. like they, I, they really just did this crossover so they could ship it on a weekly schedule. like that. That's why they did it like that.
1: That is probably why. <laughs> yeah,
0: but God, if it's... This is like the older I get, I feel like such an old man, like an old man increasingly faster. I'm just like, why didn't you just tell the story in the same series? Why did it have to be a crossover? Like, why do I have to, especially like on Marvel Unlimited, going back to reread it, it's like, oh, well, there's no story. So like, I have to search Marvel Knights Spider-Man to read that issue. Then I have to back out. Then I have to do a new search. And I, f- I understand how fucking lame it is to complain about that. And I apologize. But um, God, just tell it in an amazing Spider-Man. Like, why, why does it have to happen across three different titles? Come on, guys.
1: Yeah, I get it. I think that's kind of, like, more of, like, an outdated thing, because in in the 90s, I think a lot of the Spider-Man stories in the 90s were like that, like, Craven's Last Hunt takes place across, like, Spectacular and Amazing, mm-hmm. and I think Web of also, and, you know, Maximum Carnage does that kind of storytelling, where it goes across the titles, and a uh, some of the clone saga a lot of it actually i think goes across like multiple titles Mm -hmm. um and i think um you know i mean i'm i'm glad we don't do that anymore (laughs) me too me too uh but i think it kind of has to do with just like how many peter books they put out like i guess when they had more they did that more um nowadays it's, we have other spider people too like we have like a miles book and a peter book and like i feel like maybe that helps dilute it um i don't know maybe it's just that we're more streamlined now i i like it better also just in one title um but yeah it it is interesting to think about like you know all these mm-hmm. titles crossing over and how much how much planning that probably takes too yeah right it
0: um one thing that I think is really cool is, so like this story takes place across 12 issues uh that's right we're covering a 12 issue story for the first time on shortbox. We're gonna burn through it a little faster than uh the <laughs> it's not gonna be like two six episodes uh, two six issue episodes I promise um we're gonna go through this one fast but uh it's broken out into four acts of three issues each. I do really like that the first three acts are done by different creative teams but it's like Peter David wrote the first three issues. Reginald Hudlin wrote the, the next three issues and then JMS wrote the next three issues. And then they all just sort of like get their book back and they get to each write one book in the final final three. I do really like the way that that's broken up because that made it seem like way more collaborative, I think, than a lot of these other crossovers, uh, especially at the time felt, just because it it's always like, okay, I, I wrote my issue, here's a baton, you take it and then you write your issue. But this actually felt like i don't know there was three writers who just like sat down in a room and you know with their artists were like okay how do we tell the story cohesively and the fact that like you get a a proper breakdown where it is like oh the opening act is by peter david so that all feels cohesive oh the the second act is by reginald hudland that's like the rising action or whatever like okay that all feels the same i do think that was really clever and i do appreciate that
1: yeah it definitely does feel very cohesive like that that is for sure the case um also i was surprised to see hudlin's name on on this like i didn't remember that he was involved with this uh I, like peter david i knew straczynski obviously but hmm. uh i kind of had forgotten that hudlin was involved in this because i feel like when i think of hudlin i just think like black panther you know right so, yeah
0: i'll tell you who i was surprised to see was pat lee uh i don't know if you see 2002 i don't know how old you were in 2002 <laughs> i was i was too <laughs> oh, oh okay <laughs> uh in 2002 there was this comic book publisher called Dreamwave, and they were basically given the i think transformers maybe the gi joe license but definitely the transformers license and pat lee was like a mecha artist like he was blowing up like transformers i think more than meets the eye was like the big uh series at the time and he was like one of the like you know wizard top 10 hot artists just from that book like he, he was just like a household name uh with air quotes because not a lot of people remember transformers artists from you know 20 years ago but uh i, I was like shocked to i was like oh fuck pat lee drew this i forgot man yeah, let's take a look at this and i look at him like oh yeah these faces are sure are something not a lot of backgrounds here uh okay all right pat lee yeah <laughs> great great sequential storytelling he was like on like the Marvel Knights book Marvel Knights Spider-Man uh like great sequential storytelling but man um lacking a few details I think
1: I was also uh you know happy to see you know upon revisit you know Mike Waringo on on the friendly neighborhood issues oh yeah
0: Um,
1: that was not I think that was my favorite art wise of the the three books um while reading the other I was very happy to see that I like his style
0: all right well i think that about catches us up so we're going to take a quick break and uh we'll be back talking about act one of the other and welcome back to short box summary carlos is still with me uh we took a little break between uh, recording that intro and jumping into the story, Carlos, thank you so much again for your flexibility, your patience, and your kindness. Always appreciated. You ready to talk about the other, Evolve or Die? Yes, I think I'm I think I'm ready. Okay. All right. So this story kicks off in friendly neighborhood Spider-Man number one. That is by where are my notes? That is Written by Peter David, drawn by Mike Waringo, with inks by Carl Kessel, and colors by Paul Montz. Ooh, this is a long one, so bear with me. Peter tells Mary Jane about a dream he had where Morlin, an old enemy from earlier in the series, is wheeling a body through a morgue when Craven the Hunter shows up. Suddenly, Uncle Ben appears holding black dice with piercing red eyes when a voice says, snake eyes, you lose. He goes on to say to Mary Jane, "Quote, it was almost easier when I had nothing, when I was scrambling to rub two nickels together and keep a roof over my head. That's the problem with having a ton of blessings. You keep waiting for God to notice and say, "Wait, that's not supposed to happen." But then they fuck and Peter doesn't care about his dream anymore." Um is <laughs> you're more up to date on current Spider-Man than I am. Does Peter still bang out? Is that still a thing?
1: Uh, I mean not as much as back then no i mean actually i'm trying to think of the last time he smashed <laughs> <laughs> hold on i can do this i can do this i feel like maybe carly cooper uh, okay um, but did they ever smash there were there were definitely scenes where like they would wake up in bed together but i think i also remember one time when they woke up in bed together and then carly like remarked like oh you fell asleep right away last night <laughs> okay.
0: oh so just some some light making out and some over the shirt stuff you know just <laughs> just good old classic peter parker look
1: mm-hmm. but in brand new day actually okay i remember now in brand new day with felicia they did mm-hmm. like sneak into a hotel and like smash an empty room once uh, I I think it was written by Joe Kelly. I think if I'm remembering correctly, maybe that was the last time Peter smashed. Then right. again, maybe in the in the Nick Spencer run, he probably smashed with MJ. Oh my! Yeah, goodness. no, I
0: mean they had a great relationship in the Nick Spencer run. That was actually, I think, like one of the strengths of that run was just like him writing Mary Jane and Peter together. But yeah, it was it was just weird reading um, a comic where someone bangs out. Like there was some article on. Uh, that, that i read online where it's just like everyone's beautiful and no one is horny and it's just talking about like the mcu about how like people have like literally never been more beautiful or had like more perfectly sculpted bodies on film ever but there's just like no sexual tension or drama between any of the characters and uh, it it's nice going back to a time where people were like you know what let's let's kiss parts of each other's bodies with other parts of our bodies <laughs> like it was it was just nice to to see people be people that's fair (laughs) that is funny actually the neck oh sorry please i was gonna joke
1: that daredevil's never had that problem or oh he's never never lacked that
0: (laughs) dude yeah can't keep his pants on yeah (laughs) uh yeah to quote i think it was d12 dude gets more ass than a toilet seat that daredevil yeah (laughs) Uh, The next day in Midtown, a new villain named Tracer is robbing a bank and callously, but intellectually threatening everyone when Spidey swings in to stop him. Tracer shoots two rounds and Spidey dodges, but quickly realizes these are special bullets that follow him no matter where he goes. While trying to outrun the two bullets, Peter reflects on a recent training session with Cap at MJ's request, where he tried to teach Peter to better focus. Peter, all I'm saying is that one considered calculated move can be better than 20 reactive moves. Peter stops swinging, stands in the streets, and catches the bullets. One stops, but the other burrows through his hand and then flies into his shoulder, causing him to pass out. At a doctor recommended by Steve, Peter gets patched up and has blood drawn for standard lab tests. Back home, he confesses confesses to MJ that he's scared. But he has to go out and stop Tracer, uh, which he will, thanks to a spider tracer <laughs> uh, he planted on him earlier. Finding it in a limo, Peter stops the car and rips the roof open to find Jay, Jonah Jameson instead of the bank robber. And Peter knows he just stepped into a whole new world of trouble. Sullen and back home at Avengers Tower, Peter gets a call from Dr. Castillo, the woman he saw earlier. His results are back and they're not good. And that is the opening to the other Evolve or Die Carlos, you've read a lot of Spider-Man comics. How does this one feel as a hook into a big story? Actually, I thought this was a good.
1: I thought this was a good start. Like I think, um, like even looking back at the whole arc, like I think this is my favorite issue of the whole arc. Um, oh. I, I think it's a it's a good hook, you know. And there's a lot of stuff in it that reminds me of that makes me think. I don't know, like. Um, there's a lot of stuff that reminded me of other stories and, you know, little twists on them and stuff like that. Like I thought it was cool. That whole like bullet scene, like the bullets that track Peter.
0: Super um, cool. Super cool.
1: And I thought it was cool that it was Peter David writing it uh, because I think Peter David wrote um, not only. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote like death of Gene DeWolf and um, I feel like those Sin Eater stories also do like a, Creative thing with the bullets because uh, there's a, a iconic part of uh, the Sin Eater storyline where you know Peter's spider sense tingles, mm-hmm. he trusts his instincts, and he jumps out of the way from Sin Eater's gunshot. But he didn't think but he doesn't think about the people behind him and, and Sin Eater ends up shooting the people behind him. Right. And I thought I thought of that when reading this issue, because it was like, uh, don't always trust your instincts. That might not always be the best move, but also like a creative use of bullets. I thought, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also was kind of reminded of um, a slap storyline I really like. No one dies because in it uh peter doesn't have his spider sense and that leads to him getting shot and then going to the to the night nurse and getting patched up and i was like oh of like you know things i can relate uh, other things to in this issue um i also like that it starts with a with a peter nightmare because that's like a, a classic like trope for spider-man he's right. <laughs> always having these like really vivid nightmares <laughs> um and oh well no one dies is another example of that but also there's um like amazing spider-man 258 which is um during like the original like black suit saga where he has that dream of like the giant black costume fighting like his classic oh, co-
0: one of the, the greatest covers of all time yeah <laughs> yeah
1: so so good so there's a lot of stuff to, to like in this issue and then i'm glad you brought up the, the scene where peter and mj smash not because they smash but because <laughs> i think it is a good like chat page where they're like uh things are going really well like I feel like I'm gonna lose it all and it reminds me of like how I sometimes see Peter as like this Job figure um where like God's gonna take it away you know even worse than than he was before I feel like that's another thing that I related to the slot run while reading this because in that run we also see things go well for him and then you know, it all comes crashing down, et cetera. And so sure. uh yeah, I thought I just thought it was a a, a good a good start for sure. I, I I like this issue and I like I always like new villains and adding to the lore and stuff. So tracer showing up here I thought was neat. I was like, okay, cool. What's his deal? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was
0: cool. Oh, I can't wait to talk more about Tracer in a upcoming <laughs> issue we're about to cover. What'd you think about the conversation you had with Cap? Uh I I personally really love the fact that like they're both from new york like that's like it, granted it's like in the mcu but like when cap is just like oh what part of new york are you from and he's like oh from queen from queens he's like huh brooklyn you know like they just have like that nice little exchange and so like they always have like more in common despite being you know seven decades apart from each other or whatever uh i i love that they have a relationship but cap i thought in this one felt particularly kind of dickish like yeah. there's that one scene where like peter's like um Yeah, I don't know. I'm just afraid you're going to say something like horrible about how instincts are like bad. He's just like, yeah, Peter, instincts can get you killed. And he's like, fuck, like, I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) And so just like kind of calling into question uh, the way Peter's like lived his life. Right. Just saying, like, you're actually lucky to be here. Uh, Nothing you do is deliberate. Nothing you do is intentional. It's kind of a small miracle that you're still standing and that you pulled like a total smoke show uh, of a wife. (laughs) right like did you get that feeling or am i am i reading too much into it
1: well i kind of i mean i kind of side with cap because i feel like i mean i love peter but he i part of what i love about peter i mean i love everything about here but he does uh he is a lucky guy and sometimes that luck is terrible (laughs) and sometimes that luck is good Mm -hmm. um You know, it's like the Parker luck duality where it's like, yeah, like things always go wrong. But at the same time, like you're also lucky to have Aunt May and MJ and blah, blah, blah. And I do think, you know, it's an interesting analysis of Peter that uh, he trusts his instincts too much sometimes with the spider sense and everything and how that can be a weakness, even though usually we're like, well, spider sense is super op and (laughs) right right. (laughs) so so i thought it was i thought it was interesting Uh, yeah i didn't mind it and i do like the i I really like the captain america and spider-man dynamic like i feel like i like seeing them interact more often than not Uh, and later on in the jms run i think they have one of the best and most iconic peter and cap
0: oh uh, for sure yeah um spoilers for the show like we're doing this we're so close to house of m and then house of m doesn't have like too much fallout like i was going to cover like a couple mutant titles just like let people know what was going on but like civil war pops off real fast right after that uh so hey man you want to come back and talk about civil war uh, spidey we could even do a little back in black if uh if you're into that oh snap that would be that would be crazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh a big one for spider. <laughs> yeah, god. That Ron Garney art is just so good. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on to to issue 2. This is uh like I said this is a crossover that was going on between three different uh, ma- uh sorry, three different Spider-Man titles. And so part 2 happens in a different book it's called Marvel Knights Spider-Man it came out October 19th, 2005, written by Peter David, drawn by Pat Lee. We talked about this earlier, but again, I just his transformers books were fucking amazing man they were the coolest things on the stands inks and colors by dream engine that is just like a post-production studio for uh, sequential art and lettered by Corey Petit. mary jane sits backstage before a play performance while morland quietly stalks her hidden from sight she laments the incident peter had with jameson and recalls a weird conversation she had earlier when peter came across cap and mj talking and made a super uncomfortable joke about the two of them hooking up behind his back, but it being a good thing so she can stay in Avengers Tower. I normally want to do, like, a whole summary, but I'm going to stop right here and just talk about... Did that Did that feel like Peter to you? Because that didn't feel like Peter. I know he's going through a lot. I know he just got, like, a terrible terminal prognosis from, like, a, a doctor. I get that, but, like, that didn't feel super Peter-y to me
1: the the joke about the hooking up with stark?
0: No, like he makes bad jo- like like hooking up with the uh, sorry with cap, right? Cuz wasn't it cap talking to MJ?
1: Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um Yeah. No, I need to read that again. I was I was so focused on other stuff in the issue I forgot to note on that one. Okay. But, right. um, you yeah. know,
0: I thought it was a little out there. It made me feel very uncomfortable and awkward.
1: You know, there is other uncomfortable stuff with, like, the other Avengers all living together. There, like, I mean, Wolverine does some stuff later on that I, you yeah. know, I think is kind of similar where it's like, you know, they, they do put MJ in kind of like a precarious position sometimes in these, uh, in this era. Like, uh, before this arc, they, they had the whole... um I th- and I think the reason I said Stark is because in the in the first arc in the JMS uh, uh, run where Peter like moves in mm-hmm. to the tower and everything, uh, there's that one part of the arc uh, where... The paparazzi, know, the paparazzi photographer,
0: z- yeah, catches MJ going into yeah. Stark Tower like after hours. And Yeah. They, they, yeah. Oh, we covered everything that. I, actually. I, I did that episode with uh, my girlfriend and we had a lot of fun talking about that.
1: <laughs> oh, there you go. So, so yeah, so I got... I guess I kind of brushed off that page because I was like, okay, more of like you know, <laughs> MJ and stuff, and yeah,
0: yeah. But just Peter like being such like a, a sully dick about it, I guess, was the part that like kind of caught me off guard. It's just like, no, you two gonna make a real cute couple when I'm gone. They're like, what? He's like, don't worry about <laughs> it. And then he just like bounces. Like, well, that was fucking weird, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think one thing I did note. um, in about this issue i guess this is kind of like touching on some of the stuff later in the issue is about like peter's quote-unquote like death wish and like Mm. how that kind of affects him in this arc and and stuff like that because um i was talking to my friend uh dd key d on twitter if you want to shout out
0: (laughs) yeah plug plug plug
1: (laughs) uh spider-man's comic compendium great guy nice guy um and uh, we were talking about the current Spider-Man run with Zeb Wells and how Peter like felt like super depressed at the beginning of it um, and how his like, interesting. And he brought the other actually because he remembered that like, the other kind of implies like Peter being depressed and having a death wish and mm-hmm. kind of going out to die and stuff and, 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 and so reading this issue, that was like my biggest takeaway. So maybe that whole thing about like, you know letting MJ go be with Cap after <laughs> could be attributed to him being like oh I'm gonna die like <laughs> I don't know
0: yeah um yeah oh god I, I took some notes I actually just like screen grabbed the whole page uh, about that Death Wish conversation I'm really excited to get into it um but let's <laughs> let's move on to uh to catch up to it After her play wraps up, she catches Spider-Man on the news fighting an even more intense battle with Tracer than he did earlier. Frustrated that she can't hear the TV at her playhouse, she escapes to a nearby bar and bribes the bartender to turn off the Yankees game for coverage of the fight. It gets even more complicated when Tracer hijacks Iron Man's armor and uses it to start attacking Peter. A crazed fan shows up and assaults Mary Jane, saying she owes him for all the money he spent on her between play tickets, flowers, and chocolates, and she promptly whoops his ass with a pool cue. Distracted by the fight, nobody knows why there's an explosion on TV and if Spider-Man survived or not. Back home, Peter tries to downplay the severity of his situation, and Mary Jane calls him out on it, saying he still feels so guilty about Uncle Ben's death that he'd rather die and be with him than with his living wife. And then Peter shows her his lab results from Dr. Castillo and they share in a loving embrace. Now I got this page here and Peter tries to like reason with her saying like, look, I admit it looked bad, but there were reasons. She says, I know the reasons, your reasons. I finally figured it out. It's survivor's guilt. It's not just that you let the burglar go. Then he killed your uncle Ben. It's that the good caring man he was died while the selfish, uncaring man you were lived. You used to tell me in the old days you'd always run out of web fluid at the worst possible moment. And I wondered, why not build in an indicator gauge the very first time that happened to warn you? Why risk running out ever again? I think deep down, you really want to be with him, but you can't admit that. So you'll just keep pressing your luck, taking bigger chances, pushing yourself more, getting sloppier. You want to be with your dead uncle more than you do your live wife, because deep down, you think you don't deserve happiness or life or love or me. You want to die. And I don't know how to live with that. Whew. Whew. Powerful shit from MJ. Yeah,
1: it's an interesting, it's an interesting page. It's a pretty bleak take on, <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> on Peter. <laughs>
0: um, well, even um... worse, the the page before it. I didn't I didn't take the screenshot, but like their conversation was basically like yeah it's not like other things like I can't go to Alcoholics Anonymous like at least they have someone they can talk to like who the fuck am I supposed to talk to I can't tell anyone about us no one understands what I'm going through and it's like oh shit yeah I actually never considered that I was so worried about Peter Parker I forgot to be worried about Mary Jane um and then I felt like a selfish asshole for not considering her feelings in this because like I'll be honest I read a lot of Spider-Man comics to see you know Spider-Man doing Spidey things but just thinking about the consequences of having a character like that in your life, something that I think the better comics talk about. And then I think like some of the, even just like mediocre ones just kind of skip over because they're like showing you the flash. But like, I thought this issue had a a lot of heart and probably the most heart in the first half of this event so far. But what do you think?
1: Yeah, uh, the, the page before the Death Wish stuff um, where she compares, you know, where she talks about like, not being able to talk to other people about it uh that reminded me of uh you know in the nick spencer run like she finally finds a superhero partners therapy group which i thought was interesting mm-hmm. uh, it all reminded me of like conversations she's had with peter in like brand new day uh and like superior spider-man at the end of it like when they've broken up like this has been part of the reason a couple of a few times where like she talks about how you know like her position being like a vigilante's, like secret girlfriend, is like very difficult for her. Mm-hmm. um So it was interesting seeing this brought up here too. um Yeah, sometimes I'm like, man, why are we in this relationship, MJ? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, you're good-looking, cool girl. Yeah, you got options, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, like you could do better, low key. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, and then. You know the death wish page um, is interesting. Again, um, I think maybe it's one of those things where like you kind of just got to not think about it too hard. <laughs> where like, at, like the easier like real world real world explanation is like it's just a fun trope that writers like to use, like running out of web fluid. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but it is like a, an interesting take on like what could the reason be that he never like checks or this always happens to him although there have been some issues i believe where he does have a meter that tells him, um if i remember correctly i'm not sure where but i think i have read a story where that happens and he also does have his utility belt for backups so i don't know but
0: right (laughs) but i I don't you don't want to well actually too much yeah yeah you don't
1: want to well actually it too much or you know etc but for the sake of this story it's like oh yeah interesting um i think another thing I, i took note of is the the scene where she like um beats up the crazy fan with the with the billard pool like i think a lot of mj fans might like that and stuff because i know they love seeing mj defend herself when she's in Mm -hmm. danger stuff like that so i thought that was a neat one i took note of that i was like oh that's a good little mj defending herself moment reminded me of like when she hit chameleon with a bat i think Uh, i think that was spectacular 241
0: i don't know see carlos you're the best this is why we have you this is why you're on the show like i said earlier you have forgotten more about spider-man than most people will ever know
1: I probably got that number wrong, but I'll, I'll go. No, that's it right. cool. No, no one's got
0: no one's gonna double check. Don't worry about it. Uh I will say there was a continuity error in the art that drove me fucking crazy. So, like that awkward conversation that, that Peter made, you know, like with Cap and MJ, they were playing pool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they were playing pool the correct way where you call out your shots and say where you're gonna place the ball. And so she hit some ball that she called like the sixth and corner, and then I think she called the 10 in the uh the side. Um, and then the art showed another corner pocket, like showed her hitting into the corner pocket as opposed to the side pocket. And like, I don't know why, I think it's because I played like probably 4,000 hours of pool in college. Like I just went to a bar on my block that had a shitty little beat up table, but I don't know why that really bothered me, man. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> dude, it says side pocket, but so far that's the literally the only thing I've found wrong in the story so far. Well, I'm a terrible pool player, so I do not know. <laughs> it's all right. Pat Lee, super good at robots, not great at uh at billiards. That's okay. We can forgive him. Also, I think
1: I I'm I was starting to look up the spectacular issue that I was thinking of. I think, it, I think it's two forty-five, not two forty-one.
0: So. Oh, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. I honestly I forgot Spectacular went up that high. Yeah.
1: Go. I mean, and then with legacy numbering, uh mm-hmm. shout out to Zadarsky's 310. I think that was <laughs> the last Yeah.
0: Oh, man, that was good. Also, like while we're talking about really quickly. The friendly neighborhood Spider-Man by by Tom Taylor. Did you like that book?
1: I did. I mean, I think I actually like stopped keeping up with it at a certain point, not because I didn't like it or whatever. I was just like in college. Um but the first, like, six issues I thought were really strong. I liked the whole, like, <laughs> underground New York City thing. And mm-hmm. I thought that was neat. And, and I, of course, <laughs> issue six with the little kid's, like, classic Spidey stuff. Oh, my God.
0: Dude, that scene, though, where he, like, reveals the two little alien kids to Johnny. And Johnny just goes, are are they mine? <laughs> and he's like, oh. what? No. <laughs> Why would you think that? That's, <laughs> like, one yeah. of the most, like, laugh out loud moments I can remember from, like, a mainstream book that made me, that made me laugh. Quite a bit that was funny, yeah. All right, moving on to part three. This was in the title Amazing Spider Man 525, mm-hmm. written by Peter David, art by Mike Deodato Jr., and inks by Joe Pimentel. This came out October 26, 2005. Um, weekly comic series underrated, I think. If even if it's like a mediocre to subpar book, which I don't think we're being unkind to say that like the other not the highest regarded spider-man story right but the fact that it came out on like a weekly basis i think that actually makes mediocre books better right because at least then like the pacing kind of makes it more exciting like you get momentum as like an actual reader just like one you have a reason to go to the shop every week but two the fact that like the story is always moving forward i really like that and so the fact that they're sticking to a i think times a month schedule for this and it's always like in sequence i i really like
1: yeah um there's a a few times in spider-man history very recently the beyond uh, mm. uh was shipping really fast right now amazing is shipping twice a month um and uh brand new day also that brand new day shipped like crazy fast and oh always, yeah all the all these
0: books got canceled and then like basically changed into amazing spider-man the, the main title and so like you were getting three issues of spider-man a month and it was always a continuous start that was i think that's still like the most fun era i don't want to say it's like my favorite era but i think it's the most fun era of spider-man at least since i've been going to the shop i really liked it oh,
1: I, I love brand new day I, I mean i'm a big i'm a big modern spider-man defender i, I love mm-hmm. like 2010s and stuff Uh, but yeah um, yeah I'm also impressed by how Marvel and all the creative teams are able to do stuff like this so that is very impressive weekly releases are crazy
0: yeah it's awesome Uh, this issue opens with May following in Peter's footsteps and having a terrible dream of her own where after getting the courage to pull the plug on her mother, her mother suddenly springs to life and starts attacking her for trying to end her life. Shaken up, she heads downstairs to the common area of Avengers Tower when she sees that there's a full-scale battle going on across New York City. Peter bumps into her while yelling at Mary Jane for not waking him up. May finds it strange that he can dodge bullets but couldn't avoid hitting her on his way out to the battle, uh, but doesn't think too much of it, but she, she makes a mental note. Aunt May will remember that. (laughs) May sits down in the kitchen for a quick snack and runs into a young man who introduces himself as a reserve Avenger, called in by Cap to protect the tower during the battle, a hero named Tracer. Spider-Man gets tossed around in the battle like a goddamn ragdoll, so badly that Wolverine checks up on him and sends him home. So Peter swears he just saw Moreland tell him he was going to kill him but uh, and watching him. Sorry, he said he was going to kill him, but that watching him fall apart like this is more fun. Wolverine assumes, uh, sorry, assures him there's no trace of anyone else. It's just been them the whole time. So this plays into what we were talking about earlier in the, the little preamble to the episode where Peter's just been on a cold streak recently where he's been passing out at inopportune moments. He's getting weaker. His spider sense is not activating the way it used to. He's just all around sort of deteriorating. And this is just the latest example of him starting to feel like he's unraveling and losing his mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Back at Avengers Tower, May gets honest and open about her dream when Peter arrives and starts kicking the shit out of Tracer. Tracer has become significantly more powerful as the series has progressed, and he now refers to himself as a technological god created by machines to be worshipped the way people created God to worship. He runs a scan on Peter during the fight and is furious that he doesn't get to fight Apex Spidey, but Spider-Man eventually does a reversal and gets on top of him and just beats the ever-living shit out of the dude until his face melts and we just have a husk of a machine laying dead in the kitchen. Peter finally confides in Amé what's been happening to him. I think this issue really elevates Tracer. <laughs> like, I, I'll be honest, like, outside of the story, I can't remember... Like, There has to be a reason I haven't brought Tracer back, right? Like, why not? Like, he was terrifying in this issue, right? Like, Peter David did that in the first issue where, like, they made him smart, where he's just like, oh, uh, I'm sure they triggered the silent alarm that they didn't want me to know about. Like, oh, can you please remove the blue ink that you obviously put into the bag? Like, he was just, like, a smart dude who's, like, seen the movie Heat too many times. But, like, here he's, like, an actual, like, sociopath. Like, I thought he was fucking awesome and terrifying here.
1: Hmm well he's also a robot,
0: robot. yeah, that, that, yeah.
1: <laughs> um but yeah i mean i think what adds to the tracer's stuff is that uh like he's in a room with aunt may like it's like a little it's a great little like tense like hostage situation because like, oh, we as, yeah we as the reader know like get out of there Aunt
0: may yeah <laughs> She's just
1: like, oh, how are you? Let me make you food. Like Oh um, hey, young
0: man. Oh, peanut butter sand. He's like, cut the crust off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh no, that's a great call. It really feels did you ever see that movie Glorious Bastards? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the opening scene, right? Where uh Christoph Waltz is like talking to that French farmer like about the Shoshada who's like you know hidden under the floorboards and it's just like oh my like you can just like I can feel my shoulders like just tightening every time I watch that scene until it feels like I'm going to snap into and this this moment had that same exact kind of tension where it was just like oh on May, no no not yeah. not you <laughs>
1: yeah it was definitely tense I did I did like like how they did that that was really cool um also uh I'm sorry i was just laughing because when you were like um what did you say you were like your own tracer it reminded me of the second i thought of andrew garfield in amazing spider-man 2 where he said uh, a god named sparkles to electro <laughs> and uh and I'm, I'm only bringing that up because i actually put down in my notes that a, a certain part of this reminded me of andrew garfield too because at the beginning when like i think it was at the beginning of this issue where peter like yells at uh, Aunt May to go back to sleep um and i i totally read that in andrew garfield's voice because there's a scene <laughs> in the first and uh amazing spider-man where where andrew's telling her like please please go to sleep yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, random little reference there um but yeah i actually took a, a, a few notes on this one geez i didn't notice. Um. But um, this issue kind of touches on the uh, Aunt May and Jarvis flirtation.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. That really started in the last arc where it was like new Avengers question mark. I think that was the name of the story <laughs> where it, like, it was like Amazing Spider-Man 519 to 524. I think that was the one we covered where that was like the first arc in in Avengers Tower. And yeah, man, they had a little flirty going on. It was great. It was awesome. <laughs> And then she like mentions like except for Otto Octavius that was a mistake you know and so like it, I know it's so weird to think of this character who's supposed to be like this like almost like ephemeral maternal figure right like someone who's just supposed to exist in the same state at all times uh just be like this unmovable unshakable image but it is really nice to see her like just let her hair down and just like accept that life is different now like ben's not coming back peter's growing up like things are changing and the fact that she does get a little flirtation on with with jarvis yeah it's awesome to see
1: uh yeah actually i took note of it because um uh uh kevin feige is uh uh known to be a big fan of the jms um i think the in back my um, there's like uh, quotes of people praising the run, and one of them was Feige saying like way back then I think it was like 2009 or something like I love this run, blah 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 blah. I promise I'm gonna adapt Aunt May like uh finding out Peter's identity one day, and he did. And I was thinking about it, and and when you revisit this era specifically, like near the Civil War stuff, like you really see how much of this stuff influenced like the Homecoming trilogy because. Mm-hmm civil war, we see Peter go to Washington D.C. just like in Homecoming. We see the Iron Spider suit just like in the MCU. And I feel like Aunt May flirting with Jarvis here is very much like Aunt May and Happy Hogan. Oh, okay, well. yeah. Um, and I and we even see Peter calling Tony Mister Stark in this era, um, mm-hmm. which is just like in the MCU as well. So I just I took note of that because I was like, oh, maybe you know we can talk about the MCU. Influence. I don't know.
0: Uh, damn dude great call out yeah How, like you're like you're the biggest spider-man fan i know is that like enough of an adaptation for you like are you, are you satisfied with that
1: well i mean i'm very like open and chill about adaptations like i know a lot of people get a lot more like strict about like oh this isn't accurate enough and blah 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 but i'm very chill and cool with like you know this is your adaptation this is your thing like this is your story and i think it's cool and i i just think it's kind of neat like seeing the influences come in and out and stuff like that like Mm -hmm. i like i just like taking note of like oh maybe they got this from this and stuff like that like that excites (laughs) me
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah i always think 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 about like the sorry star wars like everyone's complaining about like rise of skywalker i'm like Bro, I had to wait like three years to see Attack of the Clones, and you're fucking complaining about Rise of Skywalker. Like, don't <laughs> don't talk to me about pain. You don't know pain, you know. And like, everyone's just like, "Oh, this comic book movie wasn't accurate enough." It's like, bitch, I saw Daredevil in theaters. Like, I think I saw it in theaters. If not, I definitely saw Elektra in theaters. It's like, what the fuck are you complaining about, my guy? Like, oh, sorry, your movies are too good. That sucks. <laughs> like,
1: I I am also like. I don't know. Like I, I'm a very grateful comic book fan these days. Like I just feel like we have it so good. Like why, why did it pick? I don't know. But that's just me. (laughs)
0: No, that's a good,
1: good take. Good take. Oh, and one last note on this issue. Well, there's other stuff we can talk about, but I don't know if you want to (laughs) because we have other issues to to cover. But we're officially 20 issues away from one more day here. And I only bring it up because. The first issue had that foreshadowing about Peter losing it all. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the Joe Casada, like one more day interviews with, I think, CBR, um, he talks in those about how they went to reboot and they talked about getting to a reboot age like in advance. And that knowing that they were going to get to like that one more day point actually influenced their decisions during like Civil War and stuff because you know i mean and this is kind of getting away from the other a little sorry but it's okay. like the whole like identity reveal back in black stuff apparently it was kind of intentional in order to like write themselves in a corner so that they have to like do something drastic to like reset stuff um and i was thinking about that when reading the foreshadowing in the in, in the first issue uh of the other because i was like did they know at this point that he was gonna lose like not only like his life in this arc but his mm-hmm. wife and everything. Like, did they already know about that? Like when they were writing this, I wonder. I, I don't know. But I was thinking about that and then I noticed the the issue number. And I was like, I know it's two years, but it's only 20 issues away. I don't know. It's kind of interesting.
0: <laughs> right. Um, I think they usually plan that stuff like two to like one to two years in advance. Like, I don't I don't think that's out of the other question. I wonder if this was supposed to be like the soft reboot, you know, like using the death of Peter, Peter to be reborn, and then they got cold feet. Like I feel did you read batman hush
1: uh yeah but um i'm not as uh (laughs) okay
0: well there was there was a moment in that where they like revealed a character who had been dead for a while and you're like holy shit and then you find out it was actually just like clayface pretending to be that character and like as a fan you're like oh whoa i thought they were going to do something big and then they end up doing the big thing like 20 issues later anyway you know where they actually did bring that character back, and so like I wonder, like if this was like them thinking, like, okay, here's it, like we're doing it, we're we're doing this with Peter, and then they like pulled back at the last moment because they're like, no, we can we can go bigger, like we can actually really blow this up. Uh, so, question okay. for for editorial, if I ever get the chance, if you ever get the chance, you're gonna be hosting a Spider Man show before I do, man. You got this.
1: <sighs> it would be it would be really to and everything. I haven't met Kassada. I've met Straczynski. I I met him at Comic Con once. That was really oh, cool. That's wow. Sick. Um,
0: yeah. I'm jealous, man. L.A. has significantly better Comic Cons than rural coastal Maine. So, <laughs> in, in, enjoy L.A. Comic Con, please, for me. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right. You ready to move on to uh, Act Two of the other. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it all right uh so act two kicks off in friendly neighborhood spider-man 2 it came out november 9th 2005 and this was by peter david mike Waringo, uh with inks by carl kessel and colors by paul Mons. after sharing the news with may and mj the two oh wait no i lied i'm so sorry it's by reginald hudland (laughs) i lied uh this is act two is a, a new writer i'm so sorry um after sharing the news of may and mj the two most important women in peter's life do what he can't and ask for help from tony stark meanwhile spider woman and luke cage wonder if tony really is sleeping with mj as like a callback to the the previous arc i didn't love that scene uh first they go to mr fantastic the smartest man in the marvel universe but even with the help of hank pym and bill foster aka yellow jacket and goliath They come up short, only seeing cellular degradation, but no good reason why. They need a radiation expert, so they head out to the desert to find the Hulk. After a quick scrap and a mishap with some tranquilizer gas, Spidey manages to get Hulk to calm down and transform back to Banner with a knock-knock joke of all things. Banner is stumped as well, so Peter ships off to Wakanda, where T'Challa admits they successfully mapped the human genome. 50 years before the west did but even this techno paradise can't explain to peter why he's dying not giving up they give him the herbs and plants reserved for the warrior kings of wakanda hoping that will help his constitution before leaving they stop by the temple of anansi the spider totem where Morlin again stalks peter from the shadows got a creepy fuck Back in New York, Spidey stops an alleyway mugging and beatdown, but mid-fight, the bad actor transforms into Moreland, who warns Peter that he's going to die and needs to get his affairs in order. Peter fights Moreland with everything he has, and his old friend Daredevil stops him from caving the man's head in. It was never Moreland, just some poor bookie muscle who's bleeding on the ground. With one final card to play, Peter heads to the Sanctum Santorum, the home of Doctor Strange, to try and see if there's a magical cure. And there is not. Stephen simply turns to Peter and says, you're a good man who's led a good life. Prepare to die.
1: Getting into the magical stuff. Uh, oh, by the way, I think uh, the muscle that he beat up in the alley, I think that was Ox
0: from it The Enforcers. It was Ox, yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: cool. <laughs>
0: um, what did you think of this issue? Uh, I definitely noticed, not I don't want to say a drop in quality, because I think Reginald Hudlin has a lot of good books. I think he is a, a good writer. Um, But definitely like a tonal shift. And I think that's really interesting, because I thought the first act did a really good job of pulling out like some weird heartfelt moments. And then this issue, which should have been, I think, more desperate than it was because this was like him like bargaining. Right. I think the title of the of the issue was actually just bargaining, uh, you know, like him making like Faustian deals just trying to like extend his life. Um, I didn't think like it felt kind of it felt a little too fun to me. It didn't it didn't feel like sad and dour enough. Uh, how did you feel at the end of this issue?
1: Well I wonder if that feeling is from art because it is that um kind of like uh funner art style I guess because mm-hmm. yep. the amazing art is very like real and and dark and uh and uh, I feel like the coloring and the Marvel night stuff is also like a little like bleaker mm-hmm. um very muted so I wonder yeah. yeah yeah so I wonder if uh, <laughs> I was worried that I muted my mic for a second oh, or what? <laughs> <laughs> um but um uh but you know with the Ringo art I think Ringo did this issue too right and and um mm-hmm. I think maybe that adds to the tone you know uh mm-hmm. of like, being a little more lighthearted. um I had fun revisiting this issue I didn't like take too many notes I feel like the the chunk of my notes w- was in the first act um with, with all the setup and stuff but uh looking back at this issue um I think I think it's fun and also past two moments that have become like slightly popular, like shareable pages and, and panels in, in like Spider-Man fandom, like Peter with I think Peter with the braids braided
0: hair was in this issue, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a panel that's been shared around over the years and in
0: in a in a good way or in like a Peter not you two kind of way
1: (laughs) um I guess it depends who you ask okay uh
0: (laughs) Peter sorry Peter's in the in the scene you're talking about Peter's like waiting for like more in-depth lab results from T'Challa and T'Challa comes back and there's just like two beautiful like handmaids of the court of Wakanda and then, you know, Tatala's like, oh, sorry, I can come back later. And, and Peter's just like, it's not what it looks like. And then Tatala's like, it looks like they're braiding your hair. He's like, okay, then it's exactly what it looks like. And then you just see him have, like, kind of cornrows, kind of braids after that. It's just like, Peter, what are you doing, man?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so that moment has become kind of, like, iconic. And then also the... Um... But where he uh helps Hulk come down with a knock knock joke. That one hasn't referenced fandom to like, ah, oh, that's what Spider-Man's about. Like he'll beat the Hulk with a joke, like stuff like that. So um nice for re- revisiting those. Um I liked seeing the Hulk and um um seeing him here and making the connection between like the radiation with them too. Mm-hmm. Um I thought was cool because uh you know uh not to go too off topic but the whole time i was reading immortal hulk uh, like a, a couple of years ago i was like this reminds me of jms and, and like, right. I was like i was like they should they should do like spider-man goes to the green door or something someday because um anyway i don't want to talk about immortal hulk this is about the others but <laughs> <laughs> But a nice seeing Hulk here. And I like the tie between the radiation stuff, and I liked the books of Ezekiel reference going to like the temple mm-hmm. and referencing um, Anansi the Spider God, the uh, Spider, what anyway, the first Spider Man, Spider toad person. Oh. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely a, a funner, lighter issue, which I, I appreciate. But definitely a different from, d- definitely a different vibe from the past couple for mm-hmm. sure.
0: That was a really cool moment when he shows up to Wakanda, and like everyone just kind of like looks at him with reverence, and it's just like, what do I have a sign on my back? Why are they looking at me like that? And they're just like, no, they know who you represent. Like they respect Anansi, and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And Peter's like, I should come here more often. Like (laughs) the child's like, yeah, whatever you do, don't take your mask off. (laughs)
1: Like (laughs) (laughs) I did like that line, (laughs) don't take your mask off. That was a good one. (laughs)
0: Um. Fun, fun issue. Again, like I, I kind of wish it were more dour, like a little bit more desperate. Um, but I think you're right. I think it, that is just like the art because Ringo is pretty, pretty bubbly as as a penciler. Um, yeah, and worry, it's like very dour. Very right? <laughs> <laughs> sure does. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. God. <laughs> next next issue is not my favorite uh Uh, the next issue uh part five is marvel nights spider-man issue 20 came out november 16th 2005 written by reginald hudlin art by pat lee colors by dream engine and lettered by Corey Petit. excuse me This issue begins in Latveria, the Eastern European country that's normally ruled by Dr. Victor Von Doom, a.k.a. Dr. Doom, main protagonist of the Fantastic Four. But he happens to be trapped in hell right now because of a different story. (laughs) Um, So uh, they don't have to worry about Dr. Doom, which is nice. One less thing to worry about. MJ and May are wearing the old Mark I and Mark II armors made by Tony Stark. And along with Peter, they're breaking into Castle Doom to access the only existing known time machine. The machine is set so they can't change anything in the past. They can only observe it. They go back to the day that Peter was dropped off by his parents at Aunt May's, back when Peter was just a boy. His parents say goodbye, and Peter chases after them, saying, If you stay, you won't die, and Uncle Ben won't die, and I won't die. After a cathartic cry with MJ, they go back to see Aunt May admiring her young husband and younger self and the life they used to live. Content that they saw what they needed to, the three return to the present and find themselves completely surrounded by doombots. Quickly overwhelmed and outmatched, Peter gets back up uh, Sorry, gets back up once MJ and May put the armor back on and blast them all into spare parts. Back in Avengers Tower, Peter tries to decide what to do with the little time he has left, mulling over options, Tony offers him something he can't say no to. From the safety of a stark space station in orbit, MJ and Peter get to watch the sun rising over the earth. Moreland waits patiently to feed on the now terminal Peter, and May looks at the moon and cries, imagining a world without her nephew, who's been a son to her all these years. Okay, so... I'm still not sure about that. You were... You said you were born in 2002. You're 20, right?
1: Uh, I'm older than that. I. I was uh, I was two or three in 2002. Uh, okay, in all, right. all
0: right. So you're you're 23 now. So you were not uh, you weren't on the message boards when this story came out.
1: No, and that's actually why I was really curious to talk to you about all this because I wanted to know like what were like the opinions when all this stuff was coming out because what like I learned to use the internet pretty young, and I've seen opinions change over time online and I remember when I was first on the internet as a fan um I remember people being like oh at least it's not that Straczynski stuff where everything is magic <laughs> idea <was it? laughs> whose idea was it whose idea it is magic in Spider-Man that's terrible but nowadays people really love the Straczynski run like generally mm-hmm. um and uh it's been interesting seeing that kind of like that narrative change like i don't know and i was curious to see like what what did you think at the time and how do you feel now has anything changed stuff like that like
0: i liked it at the time i basically started reading spider-man like around issue 500 just because my comic shop got like a whole bunch of copies of that and so that was like the the big uh reveal issue and also like the renumbering and i i just like the books with bigger numbers and spider-man's really fucking cool what's not to love about spider-man so jumped in there i really liked the story when it was first coming out but um man i just i remember i used to go to like newsarama and like movie poop shoot like all these like comic book websites and like ign's message boards because they used to do like killer reviews every week of comics and uh man people fucking hated aunt may in the iron man armor they hated it so much um (laughs) I think with comic fans, I think it's it's pretty interesting. There's like um, th- this adage that like the older you get, the more conservative you get. That's been like a trend, right? Like uh, among people where it's just like, oh, yeah, they voted Democrat when they were kids. But then they got older. They had more money. They became more like willing, I guess, to listen to like Republican side of things. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make this political. It's just like a, a, a stated observation made by you know pollsters and whatnot over the years. Uh, I feel like comic book fans are kind of the opposite where like they start off super conservative about like, just like the most strictest interpretations of their characters and the older they get, the more like forgiving and generous they become. Hmm. I, I think that's like a majority of fans. And then like the real fucking loud minority that like really hates it, <laughs> you know, the, the older they get where it's just like, dude, why are you even reading comics? You, all you do is complain about every single one. Like why, why are you here? Uh, I, I thought this book was fun And then I remember probably rereading it when I was in college just doing like a full like JMS run through (laughs) and then being like, God, this is so fucking stupid. And now again, like, you know, 10 years after college, I'm like, no, this is actually pretty fun. Like I don't, like, I don't remember why I hated this story so much. And I think just because it felt like it was slamming on the brakes for everything that came before it. You know what I mean? Like it felt like a soft pause or like a, like a soft reboot, like we alluded to earlier. Um, but, man, I just remember message boards lighting up this issue in particular because of Aunt May and Mary Jane. Like, oh, Tony Stark just gave them, like, you know, world-class <laughs> uh, threatening armor that's, like, a, a weapon of mass destruction and just let them, like, invade a sort like sovereign foreign <laughs> countries so they could use a fucking time machine like yeah that sounds real Tony Stark like it was just snarky shit like that and like seeing Aunt May be like oh I would love to have this so I could go upstairs easier you know just like that <laughs> shit like uh I will give me a break but I don't know like comics are supposed to be fun I think first and foremost and I think this issue I don't think it's like a particularly great issue but I do think it it, it succeeds in being like a fun issue and it has like that that really heartfelt moment where Peter gets to like, not, you know, interact with his parents one more time, but at least see them one more time.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I was gonna say. Well, I just also want to say that that kind of resonates with me what you said about like I feel like the more you the more you read and like the more you consume like about comics and stuff, the more like that's that's definitely been my character development as a comic book fan. Because mm-hmm. I was also like when I was younger, like a few just a few years ago, I was also a lot more like like oh, I don't know if this is true to the character enough. I know. If that. <laughs> but but over time i've definitely been like i oh, just have fun with it like this is their take it's just one issue like there's hundreds of other issues there's 60 years of the other stuff like mm-hmm. what's the harm in it um so i thought that was neat that you had that idea about that, that, that theory about like how you change over time
0: we're recording this on kind of like an auspicious week just for listeners this is the week that like the new black panther i think number 13 came out and there's a scene of of steve rogers just beating the fuck out of t'challa and i know that's been like a hot point of contention i am like four issues behind on black panther i don't have an lcs so i like have to wait for midtown comics to send certain books to me so i'm i'm not getting issue 13 until next week i'm not going to buy it digitally i don't care enough to do that but i'm also just kind of like sitting here being like yeah i can understand how this like optically this looks fucking terrible I'm not going to pretend it doesn't it looks real bad but like i'm going to give the writer the benefit of the doubt they won an academy award You'd, like they know how to tell a story like i'm going to let the issue tell me how to feel. I'm not going to let someone online tell me how to feel. But also it's like, yeah, this is kind of a fart in the wind too, man. Comic books come out every month. Like we're going to get a new story next month. We're going to get a new creative team in six months. We're going to get, you know, new trade paperbacks, new volume, new direction. And so it is kind of one of those things where it's like, even the the comic books that like should make me angry. I'm just kind of like, you know, shrug my shoulders, like, well, maybe next time, you know, like I, I definitely have become more forgiving of books as, as time goes on. And I, I don't know if I mentioned you but like this podcast is like me going back to revisit the books I read when I was 15 to figure out if they were really good or if I was 15 you know <laughs> just yeah. trying to figure just trying to get down to a brass tacks of it and figure it out
1: yeah um yeah I, so I think that's awesome I thought that was a, a great point um and yeah I mean I think the issue also was pretty fun I feel like this one and the last one like yeah, they're they feel not, not the same as the other issues. Like, they're definitely different in tone and, and vibe. Maybe they're a little fillery, too. Maybe you could say, but but I, I like them. They're enjoyable. Like, mm-hmm. maybe they don't make me think too hard about anything. But I like the overall concept of, like, you know you're going to die. What are you going to do? You're going to spend it with, like, the people you love most. Maybe try to see your dead parents again. <laughs> maybe get a nice view, you know. And mm-hmm. um, concept, I think that's really cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, I like this, these little back-to-back little more lighthearted beats before things get, uh, just absolutely horrible (laughs) for Peter. I mean, um, and, um, and yeah, and I was also going to point out that, uh, um, MJ using the Iron Man suit here actually gets referenced, uh, years later, um, in Amazing Spider-Man 15 volume four from the worldwide where Mary Jane uses the iron spider suit to help Peter save the day, and it's like, and she justifies that she can use it because she's used Iron Man suits before. And they reference this, and I was like, oh, hey, cool. this, is, this is the story that worldwide references, yeah. So it <laughs> can't be that bad, then
0: yeah. Worldwide talks okay. about it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, so, yeah, I think those are basically my thoughts on that issue. It was fun. We'll like. Um, uh, and I always like seeing Latveria,
0: you know? I like Doctor Doom a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, me, me too. He's he's about to just bust out of hell, and I can't wait. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think that's... Yeah, like Civil War, I think, is probably when we're starting talking about Fantastic Four. Just because, like, I, there was, like, the... The Mark this. Wade Yeah, the Mark Wade and, and Mike Waringo run, which like honestly, like it's really good, but it doesn't seem super pertinent to like what I'm talking about, like on the show. So I can recommend mm-hmm. that book all day long. That book's great. Um, but no reason to cover it on the show. There's a really quick JMS run at first. Yeah, that was Civil and... War.
1: Two... Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, and it was like it was four
0: fantastic. four issues before Civil War, five issues before Civil War, and then it just gets hijacked by Civil War, and then he's off of it. I don't even think he finishes Civil War. I think Dwayne McDuffie comes in to finish the Civil War run. Uh,
1: yeah, I think I think Dwayne McDuffie is the one that does because I do remember like at some point they end up doing like a Black Panther like team up issue or two. So, yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah. You're the
0: money. Oh yeah, Reed and Sue got some shit to work out, so it's Johnny, Ben, uh, Storm, and and T'Challa holding down the four. Yeah, yeah. Reed and Sue were not going through a good time, and no, no, they were not. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready to wrap this? Uh, wrap this one up. Yeah, on to five two six. Five two six. Amazing Spider Man five hundred twenty six. This came out November twenty third, two thousand five. Written by Reginald Hudlin, art by Mike Daydata Jr., inks by Joe Pimentel, and colors by Matt Milla, or Matt Mia. I don't know if he's Latino or not one of the two Matt Miller, Matt mia uh this issue opens i didn't take a lot of notes for this one because this one's just kind of a just a brutal fight between peter and morland but uh starts off with peter in bed uh mj still asleep kisses her on the cheek and then he's like well gotta gotta die someday basically is the attitude he has and so he's out swinging and then he gets ambushed by morland and it is not going well for Peter from the jump. And so this fight goes all across the city. It starts off with them basically being thrown into the Daily Bugle offices. And it's weird because like even J. Jonah Jameson is just like, kick his ass, Spider-Man, like get this over with. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, you like me more than the vampire? I didn't see that coming. From there, they go fight across uh, Empire University. Right, that was the college. Yeah. I can't remember. okay. Yeah. Um, they go fight there and then they just like end up fighting in the street and then peter is desperate and uh moreland admits like yeah i've done this like before to other you know totems of the spider god like you put up more fight than most and then peter is just like not today i'm not dying today and then he gives it everything he's got and it's still not enough and so Morlin, um correct me if i'm wrong he like He he blinds him first, right? Like he uses his like little little sucker things to like blind him in the eyes and then just like beats the fuck out of him and just leaves him for dead on the ground. Right? That that's about how this issue wraps up.
1: I don't remember the choreography with the hand things, but he does rip Peter's eye out from that socket.
0: Yeah, that's what it was. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very memorably. My my one note was, I think, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, uh, the one yeah. the
0: one quote I got is from the beginning when Peter's like uh, saying goodbye to, to Mary Jane. There's not a lot of dialogue in this uh, issue. It's mostly like narration boxes and like a couple, you know, lines, I guess, between Peter and Moreland during the fight and that JJJ line. But uh, Peter opens the issue by saying, even though we know we're going to die, we don't dwell on it too much. Maybe it's a survival mechanism. We're so scared of dying, if we focused on it, we'd be too paralyzed with fear to get anything done. I mean, who would pick up the donuts? Even us devil-may-care types who risk our lives every day don't focus much on our inevitable end, other than using that fear as a springboard to acts of reckless foolishness that some people confuse with heroism. But what happens when that springboard breaks? And so I actually think this is probably like the best written issue of all the, the Reginald Hudlin act, uh, just because this one was so sparse, I thought every line was like really poignant, uh, like what happens when the springboard breaks. And uh, just really economic with with his writing in a way that I just don't think the uh, the previous issues were. Uh, what about you? How did you feel about uh, the end of Act Two? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, this is a, a memorable issue uh, because... I remember I first read it when I was like really young and I remember when I was young also being very confused because you know he fights Smorland and coming home with Straczynski earlier Mm -hmm. and I remember when I was young like I got this I got the two arcs confused all the time I was like wait when did he get his eye ripped out when I thought he lost the fight but he wins here like I would get the two fight scenes confused right Um, that's kind of random. But it's hard to forget, you know, Peter getting absolutely pummeled, eye ripped out, and left on the street bleeding. Um, <laughs> um, reading it this time, I think one thing that stood out to me was the page after the top card where it says Reckoning. Um, the page after that, uh, Peter says, uh, How much time do you have left? I guess you never know until the moment comes. What I do know is that when mine comes, I will not go easy and he lunges at moreland seemingly but then the next panel is him jumping past him and saying but who says that time has to be now and i was like <laughs> i was like strategy number one run away <laughs> <laughs> you know um and i think i think i took note of that moment because um i feel like there's been some discussion recently about like basically peter not being like a perfect hero and maybe i'm wrong in interpreting that as him running away maybe there was a strategy there i don't know but but it just reminds me of like you know when he fought fire lord etc like, a lot of the great like moments of triumph for peter are also kind of followed by like moments of weakness because when he fought fire lord back in the day before he goes back to fire lord and beats up fire lord famously there is that moment where he's on the rooftop and he's like I could just run away and like whatever like leave it to someone else like Mm -hmm. I don't have to do this and he he thinks about it you know and so I felt like that moment was like you know that feels accurate for Peter you know he has that moment of maybe I should run away but when the cards are down he'll he'll show up you know
0: (laughs) yeah well I mean it talks about like we always talk about like how smart Peter is but like I like that he was like kind of showing it there, (laughs) you know, like he's obviously doing the right thing. He knows he's going to die. He knows he's not at a hundred percent and he knows he has to do this fight. But the fact that like, even with like the seeming inevitability of it all, the fact that he's still like, he got to dictate the terms, you know, until, until he couldn't. Uh, But the fact that like he actually got to like control and we did almost like a little tour de force, right. Of, of, of the, of the Peter world. Right. Like, I mean, Empire State University, that's, he says, like, credits that with, like, where Spider-Man was born, right? Like, I, I think that was alluding to, like, the, the Gwen Stacy arc, right? Because wasn't he in, in college there when Gwen Stacy passed?
1: I think, um, I think it implies that that's where... Oh, the spider talking.
0: bit him, the spider bit him, okay.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm a, I'm a dummy. I was like, oh, I was, I was trying to be too smart with my read. I'm like, oh, actually, no, Captain Obvious, it's the goddamn spider. Uh, that, and then also, um... Uh, the Daily Bugle, where where so much happens. Um, yeah, you know, so like wow. we, we just got to see his life.
1: What's yeah, up? and also I think on that page where he goes to ESU, um, the the lab that they showed, I think it's modeled after the lab in Spider Man One, like the oh, movie, the, the, the
0: rainy one. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, the only exactly. electron microscope on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why. I think that's why
1: I, I interpreted it as um you know they went back to where he got the spider bite Mm -hmm.
0: yeah okay yeah that makes so much more sense than my stupid layered ass reading of Gwen Stacy can't do um brutal fight though like I'm really glad they say this for uh for Mike Diodata Jr. I think this is I don't think it's like the best work in his career but I do think it's like definitely some of the best work of the era. The way he draws MJ and Peter in the beginning, like, I don't know what it is. It's like not quite cross-hatching, but it's like half cross-hatching. Like it's it's hatching without the cross, I guess, right? Like the lines, it almost looks like Brian Balland esque who was like a really big uh, Batman artist and, and like cover artist for DC for years. But it just adds like such a level of, of depth and professionality to it um, that I really love. And then I just think he gets so chaotic and crazy with panels. But does such a good job of knowing when to to use those, like a skewed Dutch angle, you know, like everything's at like a crazy sixty degree tilt or whatever, and then buffering those with just like really clear choreography and like perfectly square panels. I just I love the art in this issue so much, and I'm so glad they waited for Mike Dayada to to do this because I think you're right. Like the the brutality of this fight with. Ringo pencils would have felt off right like it would have felt like a joke like I would have been waiting for Peter to get back up if if Ringo were drawing it you know but with Deodato like it's just like oh shit he's down for the count for sure
1: yeah that 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 I seen man it's just uh, it's,
0: to... <laughs> it's gonna keep me up tonight yeah
1: <laughs> it's hard to get out of my mind <laughs> when I was talking earlier about like uh how I think Nick Lowe was like, oh you have to find the balance between harrowing and, and, and fun. I feel like and, and I was like, I feel like the other gets a little harrowing. This is what I was referencing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this ended kind up of coming to but yeah uh, that's just really that's like really really brutal I think. It's a, it's
0: a, it's especially a off putting
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah although I think even with Ringo art it still would have been brutal <laughs> just because of he, the just what it is I guess
0: yeah but... yeah the juxtaposition too of like the brutality of the fight with like the the more I don't mean this disrespectfully but like more bubblier pencils right like I think like Ringo draws like a more rounded figure a little more cartoonish and like it's it's really fun I'm, I'm not knocking it but like Jesus Christ this is such a brutal fight man like I I, I don't I don't know how to stress exactly how fucked up it is but like i'm just gonna tell you like no this was like especially for the time this was about as hard as it got outside of like a wolverine or like a punisher max comic like this was another level for especially like hero marvel for a flagship character Hmm. like that final page of just like peter spread out covered in his own blood and shadow ripped to pieces uh that's it's heavy shit man like that was you're not used to seeing your heroes like that. And I know this is well after Batman had his back broken and, and Superman died. But like this is when comics were getting more grounded and more realistic while also getting bigger at the same time. And so just to have that juxtaposition, um, I remember being 16 when this book came out and just be or sorry, 15 when this book came out and just being like, is he going to get up? Because like, it's, it's not really dead, right? Hmm. And we're going to cover that on the next episode um to wrap up the overall first half of the other carlos how are we feeling
1: feeling good i mean the ending a little dour uh <laughs> but yeah i like a few uh like i like the i really like the beginning i really like the first issue i really like the the, the light issues with you know taking on taking on May and and mj back in time and about like in the iron man suits very fun the wakanda visit you know i like those lighter issues and the tracer stuff in 525 with may definitely super tense mm-hmm. um so i think there there is a lot to like here for sure um and um it it, it definitely was uh worth the revisit uh, interesting made me think a lot um uh-huh
0: and uh yeah and the second half
1: is even crazier
0: <laughs> yeah we're gonna cover that i want to message you and we're gonna schedule a time to do that um but i think that uh takes us to the end of uh, part one of the other evolve or die carlos you want people to reach out to you? you you talk a lot about comics you talk a lot about spider-man but you talk a lot about other comics and you are quite uh vocal and friendly and chatty in twitter spaces which is how i met you do you want to share your, your twitter handle let people know how to find you yeah
1: sure um i'm on twitter as carlos loves uh, (laughs) spider-man i'll let you guess why uh and (laughs) (laughs) the at is carlos underscore escondi uh or esconde i i wrote it esconde because in spanish that means to hide Mm -hmm. so i was like trying to be clever
0: (laughs) yes sneaky (laughs) Um, sneaky carlos yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so that's me if you want to check out my twitter page very positive i try to keep things very positive on twitter um and yeah i love i I do love spider-man so if you do too you know i'm (laughs) i'm down to chat with you
0: very cool if you see carlos in a space please join him um if you see me in a space that's because you followed me on twitter you can find me at purplebird616 if you listen to this show that's awesome that means you can explain to other people how they can listen to this show so please share it to anyone who you think has a nerd bone in their body that could be tickled by marvel comics of the mid 2000s we will be back in your ear holes next week thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you soon